Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. This person is a real role model in my life. Izzy's not only my friend and sister-in-law, she's a brilliant entrepreneur who has succeeded in turning her passion into a thriving business that leads her field. To anyone out there who thinks you might want to have kids one day but worry how you do it whilst successfully running and growing your own business, this episode is for you. No one's saying that it's going to be easy, but Izzy's story demonstrates that it is possible to have a really positive pregnancy and birth experience whilst juggling the demands of running a business. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Izzy, thank you for being here on the podcast and agreeing to share your experiences with us. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing good. You are in the thick of the aftermath of birth and in the first couple of months. So we really appreciate you taking the time because you must be absolutely exhausted. Yeah, we're a month. He's a month on Saturday. So yeah, we're sadly not in a routine yet, but... um... Yeah, I guess you get used to the sleep deprivation, so. Do you? I'm not sure I have yet. <laughs> okay, no, maybe not, but I don't know. You feel like you can deal with more than you thought you could. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I am so excited to have you here because not only for full transparency, not only are you my gorgeous sister-in-law, um, <laughs> and it's always great fun to chat, but also you are such a brilliant entrepreneur and you're really carving out your own path in your own field with great success I might add so you're a really inspiring role model to me and I think you will be for other women as well especially for those who think you know I might want to have children one day and I have a business or I would like to run my own business like how on earth would I juggle those two things I think your insights as to how it's going and how pregnancy has gone are going to be really interesting let's get into it We always ask everyone the same first question. Please, could you tell us your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life, and please introduce us to your lovely family. I'm uh, Izzy, I'm 33. Um, I'm currently living in Winchester, but about to move to to North Devon, which will be really exciting. And I'm an animal welfare consultant. And in my family, we have Matt, my husband, who's your brother, and Jesse, our one-month-old son. Tell us about your journey to motherhood. Have you always known that you wanted to be a mum when you were little? Did you think about it? Is it something that's kind of crept up on you as you've got older? Yeah, Um, I think I did always know I wanted to be a mum. I'm one of four, the oldest of four, and my little brother is 10, my littlest brother is 10 years younger than me. So I had a role, I guess, within my family of of looking after my little brother quite a lot, um, you know, changing nappies and carrying him around and stuff. So I think that probably kicked off a bit of a maternal, whatever, instinct or want to have kids. Um, and I loved being from a large family. So I, yeah, definitely would love to have a large family too. Then, you know, my 20s, the sort of ups and downs of dating and basically for me not finding anyone suitable (laughs) towards the end of my 20s I was definitely worrying about like right now I do want kids who am I going to have them with (laughs) right um but luckily very very luckily the right the right guy came along at the right time so what's the story of your relationship and how did you arrive at having children uh, I think we have your wonderful podcast host to to thank for the, the meeting and basically then for the child as well. <laughs> but you, yeah, me and you used to live in uh, Paris, well, we were friends in Paris together and uh, we were going then on a walking holiday to Switzerland and you very, very subtly but carefully invited your brother um, along because you thought we would we would get on really well and we did get on really well, but then it took another maybe, I think it was another year or whatever, six months after that, yeah, to for us to, to get together. It was sort of, I remember being, he was totally different to, to all these other 
all these others not that many other guys <laughs> all <laughs> of the other, other guys. hundreds of men in my life all of them <laughs> the queue <laughs> no some most of the other guys that I've been dating were just uh yeah very different to Matt you know he's a kind gentle you know he's 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 so amazing and it still it took me a few months to to work out you know that he was the right guy but once I did it it went very quickly and we then moved to Australia which was an awesome adventure um but actually that probably was part of the journey to motherhood because yeah we had this amazing sort of free time you know we were just 30 and it was locked down and stuff but we had a, we had a great time there um but it kind of brought home you know then we were by by the time two years on uh, like 32 and thinking of um children and the idea of having children in australia so far away from my family was i just couldn't couldn't imagine it couldn't do it so we then yeah it then sort of brought the whole decision and also then the decision to move back to the uk a bit but sooner um coupled with the fact that in australia i'd and this is i guess part of the conception story but um i'd had some sort of weird periods like i can't actually remember how it started but they i think it started they they became longer than usual they became like two weeks still regular but two weeks of every month mm. and i went to the gynecologist and yeah they ended up doing lots of scans um and saw the little cysts that look like polycystic ovaries but i didn't have the the hormonal evidence of that mm. so I never they never actually diagnosed me it was it was all very confusing they didn't diagnose me with polycystic ovaries but the gynecologist was like if you want children you should start soon because you know we can't we can't tell but you might have difficulties mm-hmm. and it, I guess I mean it was amazing the Australian medical system was amazing but it meant because they were so efficient I had these scans basically every three months for maybe two years that I was out wow. there and it just really it really sort of medicalized the whole journey of it and you know I was it was all very visual and I thought about it a lot these sort of cysts they're not that bad you know these polycystic ovaries but I just had it in my head that I wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be easy for Mm. me and stress even though it was great to know I guess it stressed me out maybe more than I should have let it if you're being followed so rigorously I suppose it's natural to think oh gosh well you know that must really mean that something big is going on because that's quite frequent really isn't it three every three months for two years yeah exactly yeah and then you have the the periods as well so you're very hyper aware of you know still having these two week long periods which I knew wasn't like totally normal but then you can't find any information really and the gynecologist couldn't tell me whether whether this was in fact normal since I didn't have the hormonal side of it and I was my periods were still regular Mm. she couldn't say whether this was a problem or not so I was kind of just left to think think what I thought <laughs> did you start trying to conceive therefore kind of more quickly than you might have yeah probably not by that much because as I said I, I, don't, I always really wanted a large family and you know you got to squeeze them in somehow <laughs> <laughs> no it did it did push it a little bit further and I think again we maybe would have stayed in Australia a little bit longer um but anyway we ended up coming back it was it all worked out anyway we got married back in the UK um, and in the end, so yeah, we started trying and in the end it took five months mm-hmm. by that. Yeah. By the end of the five months I was getting, I was definitely like convinced it wasn't going to work. Mm. We actually went and saw, I think it was in, in the fifth month, just before we found out, I just paid for a private fertility thing just for them. Cause I hadn't seen anyone then since Australia when it was all a bit confusing. So I then went to see someone in the UK and what, what was their role and what did they do? We started off, it was just for me, but you could have paid a bit extra. We were going to just see how I was. And then, yeah, you can do a sperm count as well for the, for the guys if you want to. Um, but they just did a blood test on me. Cause I think that's how they check ovarian reserve. Um, I think it's called AMH or something. And that seems to be some kind of a marker of, of how many eggs you've got left. However, with poly six, polycystic ovaries your that number is usually quite high so it can be misleading so mm. I was already like as you can probably tell I'm a big like googler and researcher and wanted to know everything mm. about it before I even get there which is definitely sometimes bad but um and then they do a tra- transvaginal whatever an internal um ultrasound to and that's what I was having all the time in Australia to check um your ovaries and the um whether they're still there's still these cysts or not and there still were cysts, but they 
really luckily, and I think it was just the time of the month, they saw what I think they called a dominant follicle, which means even though I had all those cysts, one of them was getting bigger and was that's the one that then can go ahead and, and get fertilized. Mm. So I think that was also encouraging. And she was just like, yeah, it's a good idea. You came, came to get checked because you've got, you know, a few flags, but basically because your periods are regular, even though they're a bit long, um, yeah, you, you know, you shouldn't, you hopefully won't have a problem conceiving. And if you do come back after this amount of time and we'll do this and, you know, they sort of set a plan in place, which felt reassuring good. if things didn't then go to plan. But then things did go to plan. So you said that you then got pregnant the following month. What happened when you took the test and what made you take the test, actually? So I was just late with my period. And because I've been tracking them so religiously for two years, because they've been long and weird, I like I kind of it was very unusual that I was a bit late for it. Um, but then we had my best friend's wedding, which I was a bridesmaid at on the day, or it was the last day before I was due my period. But I kind of knew by that point, I was like, I, I think it must be. Um, <laughs> still couldn't hold off the, the gin and tonics, but <laughs> yeah, felt, felt a bit all over the place. I remember me and Matt had a, had an argument about something and I, I think I was very, a bit on edge with mm. everything. Cause he, and I kind of was putting off the test, even though I probably could have done it, done it on that day. I was like it's a wedding it's going to be our last kind hurrah, of hurrah yeah. as people without any responsibility or knowledge of what's yeah. to come and then the next day or the day after I can't remember we yeah did the test early in the morning and yeah it was it was positive and it was super happy and yeah Matt was there with me so yeah um how what was his reaction yeah he was really happy he I think he was because uh, I think throughout the um the five months of us trying you know I was really I, I was being really pessimistic about it, which wasn't helping at all. And, um, you know, I was really convinced that something was wrong. He was always saying, it's going to be fine. You know, we're going to get pregnant. I think then in the end, when we actually did get pregnant, he was really shocked. <laughs> it was like, but really happy. So it was a really, yeah, definitely remember. You remember where you are when you when you do it and you find out. Where were you when you did it? Oh, no, just a t- toilet <laughs> in Birmingham. But <laughs> the glam. So... You find out you're pregnant. You said that you were a bit pessimistic then about the journey of getting pregnant. Did that then lift when you got pregnant? Was that then your worries kind of went away and then you could embrace the positive and the journey that was about to happen? I think it basically did, although I think the first 12 weeks, and I'm sure everyone has this, I don't think, yeah, until I got to 12 weeks, I wasn't too confident about it. Um, I still felt a lot better even just knowing that I could get pregnant was was massive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, up until 12 weeks, I was I was still a bit edgy. And like, I remember one time I did a massive sneeze and like felt a bit of a twang in my tummy and like Googled, can a sneeze kill a, <laughs> kill a 10-week-old fetus or something? Sorry, I shouldn't laugh because I know in that moment... No, you can laugh. <laughs> in, but in that moment, you you really worry about that kind of thing, don't you? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because you, you're so hyper aware of your tummy. like what I found I was and yeah and I guess at the same time I was still traveling for work so I went to Australia for three and a half weeks I think week when I was like weeks I don't know eight to twelve or something being pregnant so luckily yeah I only had a little bit of morning sickness which had kind of petered out by then but still like you know yeah you're really really aware of your body you want to be very careful with it even though that's also not something that I'm that used to you know I love sport and sort of rushing around places but you you kind of change a little bit how you are what was it like having to keep your business running throughout the pregnancy and traveling a lot as you said because I know you went to Australia but you also went on other trips you know till fairly late on in the pregnancy what was that like I think yeah it felt definitely great to carry on it's it's distracting so yeah you don't get too caught up in in all the changes that are happening as lovely as they are you know it's it's nice to have a distraction I think the hardest bit was probably the judgment of other people mm. especially the slightly older generations who were very very put out that I was traveling to Canada and Iceland and Greece you know up until yeah it was up until nearly eight months I think as always you need a balance of it and their worries helped me to just plan because you know they were right like some of it the the Greece trip was very remote so they and Matt actually was like you know we need to we need to work out where the nearest hospital is how you get there you need to ask people 
you know, the people that I was going with who I didn't really know very well, like, what are you okay to take me to hospital if this happens? So that it was really good. And yeah, luckily, luckily nothing happened on any of the trips. It was all fine. The only thing was in Greece where they nearly stopped me getting back on the plane to go back home. But they were really like, you can't, you can't, you know, you're, you're too pregnant. You can't come no on the way. plane. Do you have a, do you have a letter from the doctor? And I was like, no. And I just sort of had to, had to blag it and be like, it's a low risk pregnancy. I'm from the UK. Blah, blah, blah. Gosh. And so you've managed to convince them. Yeah. They, they had to call a manager over and, and look at it all, but. It was, yeah, it was a bit touch and go. Goodness, thank goodness they let you. The worst thing I would say was sleeping. And I had this weird, um, I still, again, never really found what it was, but um, like a glute pain, a deep glute pain in my bum, basically. And because you you have to sleep, I guess, as you get more pregnant on either side, um, whichever side I was on, I would get the pain in the bottom, like bum cheek, basically. And then have to switch over but you know it would it was basically like cramping like I'd done sort of an hour of squats <laughs> and wow. someone one midwife said it could be sciatica mm. but I don't I don't I don't really know what it was and, and nothing ever helped it I tried to get a massage or baths or you know whatever and you said that you are really into sport and you're obviously having this definitely aches and pains but a healthy pregnancy overall Mm. what what did you do did you just carry on as normal and what kind of sports and activities were you doing up until the end so I carried on playing squash um so I played squash usually a couple of times two or three times a week and I think I played until I was maybe um maybe 26 weeks pregnant or something 20 27 so I had a yeah I had a bump wasn't that big uh, and I guess my plan was to sort of play until just take it take it time by time like play until it didn't feel good that was what mostly people or the internet recommended is especially if you've done the sport before you're pregnant just carry on until it it doesn't feel good but it's diff- it's really difficult yeah because like as you know like some weeks you're pregnant even earlier on it, for some reason it just feels really tender and so yeah one of the earlier when I don't know when I was like maybe like 15 or 16 weeks pregnant I remember playing squash and it was didn't feel good at all like I was stretching for a ball and I was like oh god that's that's not gonna I shouldn't play this anymore Mm. but then the next week it felt slightly better and I played again I guess always starting gently but um and it was it was fine Mm. and I mean in the end I stopped really because yeah you've got this massive bump and you need the loo Mm. and it's just not it's just not fun anymore either there's not it doesn't it's not even helping your mental state so what's what's the point in doing it really it's mostly the judgment of other people that puts a doubt in your mind like if I was on my own on a desert island with a squash court and the sea I would 100% be doing it it's just when other people you know say oh should you be doing that and I've got a friend who did this and then they lost Mm. their baby and Mm. yeah that kind of stuff and and it of course it affects you like Mm. um it really does. And and yeah, like we went swimming in Cornwall and you feel other people watching you as well, just random, you know, people on the beach. Mm. There's sort of judgment that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I definitely think you just have to have to listen to your body. Do you think that staying that active helped actually prepare you for birth? What were your expectations of birth as well? How did you want it to go? Um, I don't, I don't know if it helped me with birth. I guess, yeah, it definitely helped my mental state and helped me feel like I was strong. Mm. So maybe that was it, whether it actually physically made me stronger or not, I'm not sure. My expectations of birth. So the other point, the other thing, I guess that's always been present with me is that I love watching uh, One Born Every Minute. I've always been fascinated with like the birth, the actual birth process. Mm. Um, There's One Born Every Minute is a Channel 4 um, series where they follow like uh, families and hospitals and they show you quite a lot of the detail and all the medical stuff which I loved um so I really watched every single episode of every single season mm, multiple times wow. it's like it's like my comfort thing like Matt always makes fun of me because I'll be there sitting there like eating my dinner like watching a, a woman screaming giving birth <laughs> but I love it I think it is a bit of a it was a a control thing a need for me to want to be super prepared mm. like to watch every single story I could mm. to see every situation but I honestly think that helped me a lot going into it so but my expectations of birth then were that it could be kind of it could be any one of those things that I'd seen mm. it could go super medical I, ha- I could have to have a cesarean it could be supernatural I could be in the in the, in the pool or it could be somewhere in between 
Um, and I know those things are still like they rose tinted and you don't see all the all the stuff. But in terms of the general stages and, you know, the names of the drugs and your sort of options, I think I had in my head like visually or whatever, all these different scenarios that it could turn out like. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise we did uh, the kind of NCT class thing. Um, and I read a couple of books, one of them that you gave me, which is really great, the Emily Oster book. I'd say that was probably the best one I read. Um, and one on hypnobirthing, because um, I wanted to try and try and do a bit of that, if I could. Knowing what your story then was that we're going to talk about, I assumed actually that maybe you'd gone on into the birth with a really strong mindset as to how you wanted it to go, as in supernatural very natural rather than <laughs> supernatural we're not in space. <laughs> so actually it sounds like you were very balanced actually as to it may go this way it may go this way uh but did you have certain hopes mm. as to how it might go yeah definitely definitely my yeah my hope was that it was going to be um yeah as natural as possible in I'd re- I really wanted it in the birthing pool so we'd specifically chosen Uh, a hospital that was a little bit further away because they had this birth centre, which are the midwife-led centres that had more of these birthing pools. I think you can sometimes get birthing pools on labour wards, but you're not guaranteed them because there's only one per however many people. So this um, midwife centre, which was still attached to the hospital, it was basically like another ward or a different part of the hospital, um, had all these pools. Uh, The only thing is, is you can't have an epidural there. So if you or, or if there's any emergency like a cesarean, you have to get wheeled back to the main hospital. But, you know, it was really close. So there was I kind of thought that would that would be the best option because there was little risk if, if anything did go wrong. Kind of covered all basis. Yeah. So what happened on the day itself? How did you know you were going into labour? I think the first thing that happened was the mucus plug went away, which I wasn't entirely sure if it actually had. It wasn't that obvious um, when it first happened. It, yeah, it was just a little bit. So I was like, well, is that it or not? And then, so that was on the Thursday. And then the Thursday night, I maybe woke up a couple of times with sort of crampy contractions, not contractions, uh, Braxton Hicks. The thing is, is I'd been having these Braxton Hicks. I don't know, again, if this is normal. I did tell the midwife, but like every day, multiple times a day, probably every day, like 30, I had 30 at least Braxton Hicks or more every day since like week 24 or something. So I was so used to having these tightenings. They never hurt, obviously, they were just, but they were really, but I did always notice them. So um, yeah, I was having those tightenings, obviously still in those days just before it happened. And it got then slightly, slightly more painful, but not really. Like, I guess it woke me up, but I then went back to sleep. So I got a good night's sleep on the Thursday night. And then Friday morning, they then, I think they then started ramping up a bit. I think they were still only like uh, 10 minutes apart or something and not that painful. Mm-hmm. So we decided, well, I decided that we would go on a walk <laughs> uh-huh. uh, with the dog to try and like, yes, yeah, you know, they say keep keep active and whatever take your mind off it and that was fine could still walk around um but by the end of the walk I remember like having to stop a few times and breathe breathe well at least I couldn't walk with them I think and then the afternoon uh what happened oh yeah then we ended up going to hospital for a check because there was like a tiny bit of blood on the sheets from the last night and this is something I found out because it happened then twice is as soon as you mention anything to do with blood coming out they'll which is good, they'll take you in for a check or they'll sort of escalate you to no longer a low-risk sort of status, which can be quite, um, as I'll explain later, it didn't really help. But um, we went in for a check on the Friday afternoon. They, Because of this bit of blood, they said it all looks fine. Uh, They also then checked me for the number of centimetres and said I was three centimetres, I think, already two to three centimetres mid-afternoon. So that was, I was like really happy about that because at least it was starting. Did they explain what had happened, where that blood had come from? I think I'd already had a bit of an idea, or that's what they confirmed as well, is that 
your um, mucus plug usually has some blood in it as well then usually Mm -hmm. they call it like a bloody show or something Mm -hmm. so they thought yeah they thought that that's what it would have come from and it was a little bit brown Mm -hmm. um they were also wondering because I said it was a little bit wet whether my waters had broken um but again they said no that's probably just the mucus plug stuff okay and then they said you can either stay here or go home I was definitely wanted to go home for a bit and like try and hold off going to hospital for as long as possible um so we went home but it was yeah then got like harder and harder to sort of to stay like I don't know stay calm or it was just getting more uncomfortable and I tried to watch we tried to watch Harry Potter I think and I just couldn't like sit still then I went to to have a bath which has kind of helped a little bit but um then a little bit more blood like clot blood stuff came out and so then we were phoned and it was getting more painful. So we phoned the hospital just to say, okay, we're going to come in now. And they asked, is there any blood? And Matt, of course, said, yeah, you know, there's this clot. And because I just got in the bath and then sort of stood up, he said, which was true, that he was like, oh, it's, it's dribbling down her leg a little bit. And I think that then put them on massive high alert that I was right. bleeding. Yeah, Profusely. like fresh blood. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't he didn't say it wrong or anything. They just sort of I think as soon as you say it, they have to they have to respond. So then again, when we went back to hospital, I had to go to the labour ward, not to this birth centre that I wanted to go to to the to the pool because right. they had to check me out and monitor me and do all the, you know the put so they put me on the trace thing when they when they put the bands around your tummy to I think to monitor yeah the heart rate which was good and I'm you know it was glad that they were monitoring him but it was super painful because when your tummy contract well I found it painful when your tummy contracts it was pushing against the they, they have to tie it quite tight and it just yeah. felt so constrictive yeah, and I was on on my back as well, and I don't know that wasn't helping. And you've already gone in in and out of hospital twice. You said it wasn't the closest place to you. So yeah, how, how far were you traveling? And how I mean, how were you managing managing that? Because that if you're trying to stay in your calm bubble, yeah, was that really yeah, stressful? True. And how were you trying to stay calm through all of that? Because that sounds quite difficult. Yeah, no, it's true. It was it was so it was half an hour there and half an hour back. So we'd done that already. An hour in the car that after afternoon then yeah gone back an hour in I just was sort of breathing through them they were then coming every every five minutes or something or or less yeah um and just trying to breathe through it luckily there was no traffic (laughs) and my my mum dropped us off which was nice so we didn't have to worry about parking (laughs) and can you describe try and describe to us because I know it's tricky that what a contraction really feels like at that point you said Braxton Hicks you know you'd got used to them but they weren't the real deal they feel like tightenings what did this feel like now that you knew they were real working contractions I think I think the only way and I've I guess I've heard people describe it before is just more painful period pains it's some kind of yeah some kind of cramping cramping I guess in your stomach like Maybe the other thing is that I could compare it to is that, like, I've had, I guess, a bit of IBS stuff in my life, like, you know, digestion, like constipation or diarrhea. When you've got a really, you know, when you've eaten something bad and your tummy feels just terrible, like, you know, you know, you, it's sort of cramping up and really tender. Um, I found the fact that they ended, you know, after 30 seconds or 45 seconds, really, like, thank God, you know, you yeah. could not do it otherwise. It was so nice. Like, I was trying to focus on, I actually got like a really not a rash but a, such a nice feeling at the end of each contraction because I was like thank god that's over right. so I was trying to focus on that feeling and be like okay just get to that feeling again and you said that you couldn't you tried doing kind of nice things to distract you like watching a film and um having a bath mm. but they that didn't really work what was your ha- happy place in inverted commas what what was your best kind of position or state yeah when they were happening were you walking around or were you in a particular position I think I was to watch the film I tried to sit on the sofa I couldn't I then sat on a ball and I had loads of cushions behind me so I could lean back against a wall when I was sitting on a ball but I mean it wasn't like I couldn't sit there for long because it just you know it wasn't really balancing very well but the ball the ball was good I think I would say that was the in those early stages that was the the best but then later on the the water 100 percent was was great at what point did you host uh matt's birthday afternoon tea <laughs> izzy in all of this because i remember <laughs> saying happy birthday to my brother and thinking 
what on earth? And you appeared with this gorgeous cake and, you know, this whole like afternoon tea set up while you were in the middle of labor and thinking, what is going on? Like <laughs> she's thinking of everyone else when she's going through all of this. What what was going on there? How did you do that? <laughs> I think it was me just, again, trying to distract myself a, okay. bit, too, a bit too much. But yeah, that was... I guess that was just before we went to hospital the first time. Okay. And because it was his birthday on yeah, that day that I went into labour. So I, I generally felt really bad. I was like, his birthday's, you know, it's going to be just taken up with all of us, you know, getting the car going to hospital. But anyway. <laughs> with the best thing that is going to happen to him ever in his life. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted you. So then you've got into, this is you going back into hospital for the second time after you've had more of like a blood clot. Yeah, so then we were on this labour ward. It was then 10pm at night. And this is where it all went slightly. Not This is the only bad part, well, one of the bad parts of the experience is that we sort of had a midwife who just wasn't like in line, I guess, with what I wanted for my birth, which was like calm, natural, whatever. She was very chatty, very... She's lovely, like nothing against her, but um, sort of, you know, chat, ch- chatting to herself and making lots of noise and also very keen on pain relief. Like she even said it, she was like, I hate seeing people in pain. Like, what can I give you? What can I give you? And I was like, you're probably in the wrong job if you're, uh, if you hate seeing people in pain. Um, And so she, we got in there. Yeah. She put me on the, the monitoring thing, which was like fine, whatever. And then she was talking about pain relief and said, you know, you look exhausted, like you really need some pain relief. And again, stuff like that is just not, I didn't find it that positive. Because of course, if someone says you look exhausted, you then suddenly feel terrible. And I was tired, like, of course, I was tired. And I also don't want to slam her too much, because I think in the end, the choices she made, or at least kind of pushed me towards, it did all work out. I just, I didn't feel like I really made them. But that's, but that's fine. It sounds like she wasn't really listening to what you were looking for. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. And I'd said to her, like, I'm really keen to go up to this birth centre, Broadlands place. So she knew that. But but then what happened in the end is she sort of pushed me towards getting the pethidin injection. Mm-hmm. And I say pushed me towards. I said I didn't want it at that time. And then she said she came back in. And by this time, um, Matt had left the room. And she said, oh, do you know what? Just to get it going, I've put it on the system for you. And I've actually got it here. Like, do you want it now? And so... Just, yeah, like dangling it in front of me. Obviously, when you're in pain, and I'd said already, I don't want it until a bit later. Um, But anyway, I had it. Had there been any discussion of like your birth plan? Did you have one? To be honest, it could also be my slight misunderstanding. So I'd put on that birth plan. I wanted to go like slowly up the levels of pain relief. So Mm -hmm. start with like, I think I put even start with the water, but start water or then then gas and air, then um, pethidin, this injection of these opioid things, and then epidural um however like as she pointed out and people have said since this pethidin is better to have earlier on so that it wears and they want it to wear off by the time you're actually pushing or the later stages Mm -hmm. yeah so I think she there, there is that point as well I just I guess I felt that I still might have hours and hours and hours ahead of me and I didn't really want I felt like I was coping yeah. I was I think I was coping already yeah. without it you don't want someone to make you question yourself in that moment no exactly mm-hmm. no but anyway I took it she gave it to me I took it I then did get I think almost two hours of sleep maybe from 1am to 3am I guess I I think I slightly woke up for the um for the contractions but not really anyway it felt like sleep the problem is like it completely knocks you out you're so drowsy I remember not being able to have a conversation without closing my eyes and like zoning out which is a horrible feeling like I really wasn't present that was that and I think that probably looking back on it now actually then affected my next decision that she kind of pushed me towards which was she broke my waters artificially yeah whatever they call it you know that she went in to break it she because I was she checked me I was then four centimeters and she was like, look, to hurry things along, we can break your waters. Do you want Do you want that? And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds that sounds good, I guess, to break my waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she did that. Um, the good thing was is that when she broke my waters, she could see that there was no blood or the poo, you know, meconium, whatever it's called, meconium, in it. So then I was sort of classified back as a low-risk pregnant whatever low risk I see because until that moment they were still worrying about you and that blood and where it had come from exactly Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they finally, so then they could see that. So that was good. And then I then said to her again, so now can I go up to this, to this birth center place? And she was like, yeah, you know, I can, I can. Yeah. So she, she worked that out. And then I got up to this, to the birth center uh, wards. And this is where I realized that it had all gone a bit, um, I guess the decisions have been a bit difficult because they up there on the ward said, oh, we can't believe she's broken your waters. Uh, that's not, you're not meant to do that until much later. And once, and because, you know, um, she's broken your waters, you can't, you can't get in the pool because you have to be now tracked and like, it's like an intervention. And yeah, this was the really, I guess, annoying thing is that this midwife, I told, she definitely knew I wanted to go to the birthing yeah. pool. So clearly there was some lack of communication or she didn't know that if she broke my waters, I wouldn't be able to go up there. So there was a whole hoo-ha between, it was basically between those midwives and they were sort of arguing around Gosh. me and I was like, I can't deal with this. Like, what you need. Like, yeah, because so we'd got up there and they were like, You're, if you don't, they then said, if you don't progress to like seven or eight centimetres within two hours, and I was still only three or four, um, you're going to have to go back down to labour ward. So they gave, they were like, okay, we can give you two hours, but you know, we're sorry this has happened to you. We know it's not what you want, but we can't do anything. Mm. So then, like Matt was then disappointed for me, I think, and was like, you know, sort of leading the discussions with that. But luckily for me, I was sort of because you're in like just dealing with the pain. I was like, I can't, I can't think about this. Yeah. Like, I just have to like now it's happened I have to just yeah Accept work with what it we've and got work with the situation which was good because outside of labor I would have that would have completely derailed me I would yeah. have got so cross about that <laughs> yeah understandably so with with all these conversations what was Matt doing was he being your spokesperson and my sister actually was there too she was my other birth partner um yeah so they were both being great and yeah the only reason I got to stay was so then I was on the beds and they'd given me these two hours to get to seven centimeters but they were like it's very unlikely your first time mum it's going to take ages so I was like already feeling a bit demoralized but I was on the bed and I remember whenever I was on the bed the contractions would definitely slow down I would definitely be in more pain and I was like I know I have to get up I know it's going to be more painful the contractions are going to start but I know I just I guess that that was an instinctual thing I felt I was like I need to be in an upright like moving position mm -hmm. so I literally got up and like within minutes they started coming like so thick and fast like really? every two or three minutes and then the midwives came back in and were like oh yeah you're actually you know contracting a lot maybe we should check you before like assuming that yeah I wasn't gonna dilate and so they checked and I had gone already to seven centimeters wow but I honestly think it must have been in that short time I was just it's like standing up and walking around for me it felt so much better to be or at least more progress to be up and yeah up and leaning forward like they always tell you you know wow so how so in the space of what an hour how long was that I think I think I spent an hour lying on the bed yeah and I honestly I, they really slowed down yeah. I didn't feel anything change and then I was like come on get up out of bed and then honestly within it can't have been more than 10 or 15 minutes they were coming every two two minutes wow. really strong and doing all the work yeah and then they were like you can get in the pool which is amazing so I don't I can't remember why they say that but you're only allowed to get in the pool at seven centimeters so then they started running the pool and said I could stay up on that ward so by that time I was you know it was awesome I was like hopefully the hard bit is done you know it's only the last few centimeters and I can get in the pool um so yeah, it was all really positive from there, really. What was the pool like? Did it alleviate pain? It was great. Yeah, for me, definitely. And 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 because it alleviates the weight of your body, you can just easily flip around in all these different positions. Not that I did move that much, but you just feel, I just felt so much more comfortable. And obviously the water was nice. The one thing I was worried about, because they told me, oh, I read it somewhere, that you can't have that hot water. And I was like, God, is it just going to feel like a tepid bath, which would mm. be awful. But it actually felt really nice and warm. So that was really nice. We whacked on some music and they had some, of the, you know, little electric candles themselves. So it felt, honestly, everyone, or Matt and my sister and my mum who came in were like, it felt like a spa, like really relaxing. And how were you staying in the zone? So your mum, sister and husband there yeah were you aware of what they were up to or were you just in your little bubble so my mum actually only came in right at the end I think she wasn't really yet wasn't really allowed to but um I remember kind of being only, only able to focus on one person and that would have been Matt which was I, I told my I knew that was going to kind of happen so I told my sister before like 
sorry if I ignore you, you know, like you can't only really like I was holding on to him and you know he was he was being great. Even though I looked at all that hypnobirthing stuff, I don't think it actually came back to help me. I think your my body was well, I was just doing it um naturally, just all you can do is just try and breathe through those pains mm-hmm. and like think I've just got to get to the other side. So mm-hmm. that's what I felt I felt like I was doing. It was amazing. It just sort of does it your body just does it for you. I mean, you did it for yourself. I heard a rumour that you barely made a noise while <laughs> all of this was going on, which yeah. as someone who made a heck of a lot of noise <laughs> throughout, is that what happened? And if so, yeah. how? <laughs> but this is it. I don't, it's tr- it was, yeah, it was true. I didn't, until until the head was like crowning and I was then like saying, I can't do this. But up until then I was, breathing I remember breathing you know how they ask you in yoga to do those like audible breaths I remember mm-hmm. doing them like mm-hmm. breathing out so that you could hear it I don't know I think uh, that's always how I've dealt with pain is like very internalized like and that was a little bit like almost didn't want to be talked to or touched at some point not that it was ever like Matt was doing it too much but I don't think I was just maybe responding that much to him like I was very like inside myself mm-hmm. but but I don't feel like it was conscious. It wasn't like me being like, oh, I should be quiet. It was just... Just primal. Yeah, yeah. And you said that Matt was being great, even though you were in your zone. What do you, what, yeah. were you, what was he doing that was helping? Thinking about it again now in hindsight, I think obviously just being there, but also not trying to, I guess, like butt into my zone. He didn't try mm. to bring me out of it or keep saying, are you okay? Or do you want this? Or you know, he was just very quiet and calm. And that's, I think that's exactly, God, it's making me emotional even. Mm. I think that's like exactly what I needed, just someone to to be there and let me do it how I was going to do it. And he was just tuned into you and what you needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What happens when baby starts actually coming out? Did you start feeling a need to push? Yeah, so I felt like um, at the end of every contraction, there was a little bit of autumn, like your body then it was taking it, uh, trying to push itself, but only towards the end of each contraction. So I, I guess I was, I, I thought, yeah, it's it's now coming. I think at that time I was then asking for like gas and air. I tried the gas and air that they had, which didn't work, literally didn't work. It was, it was on, there was gas coming out, but it just tasted like air. I even made my sister try it and she was like, it just, there's no effect. Mm. And the midwives were like, no, it's fine. It's working. I was like, it's not. So then I was like, I need something. And I was like, can I have paracetamol? <laughs> they, were like, <laughs> they were like, surely that didn't do anything. Did that help? Uh, I'm sure, No, but like as a placebo, I think it yeah. just maybe I wanted something. Then, yeah, the, the only thing I was worried about was, because again, from those programs, I'd seen that more, more if you're on a bed and in a labor ward, they don't want you to push until you're a full 10 centimeters. And when you're in this birth center in the pool, they can't check you. Like they don't check how many centimeters you mm. are. They sometimes put a little monitor down to see how the, the baby's doing. But yeah, they, they don't know where you are. So I remember being worried that I wasn't fully 10 centimeters, but they were just like, go with your body. If your body's telling you to push, push, mm. which again, like in hindsight is such a, such a great thing, I think in making you feel comfortable and, and happy with it all. And then, yeah, like the the need to push just took over basically then the whole contraction where it was just, yeah, you can't stop it. It was it was super tense. You can feel, well, you know it, you've done it, but you feel the head there and you're like, I remember thinking, this is not going to fit. Like <laughs> like a real, a real physical, mechanical, like this is not going to fit out. And I kept saying that. I was like, this isn't going to work. This is not going to fit. <laughs> and yeah, and everyone was like, you can do it. It's going to fit. Blah, blah, blah. Um, at that point, this was like, it was a very sociable time. It was like 9am on a Saturday morning. My mum had turned up and she was really sweet. She didn't want to see me in pain. And my sister had gone out and said, oh, you know, she's dealing with it really well up until then because I hadn't been making a sound. And she came in just as I started like screaming with the crowning of the head. She r- ran out again, crying. Oh, thing. goodness. Um, and... Yeah, so I felt, I really felt like it wasn't going to fit. But then your body is pushing anyway. So I was like, God, okay, if it's not going to fit. But anyway, I just have to get this over with as, as soon as possible. Right. Um, I felt it 
it rock back and forth once so you know when it comes all the way forwards and then it goes all the way back and I was like god no I'm not having that more than once like (laughs) get this out of me yeah um so then and I literally I think they said it was only like again 10 minutes 15 minutes doing this actual pushing bit and his head yeah his head came out and then the same contraction yeah the whole I just then pushed the whole body what did that feel like oh it's amazing and in water it was also really cool because it all just rushes out Uh and then your baby's between your legs and like they pass it because I was sort of leaning over the side of the bath and they pass it through up to your legs and you get to hold it and that that was yeah incredible the the feeling of his weight first of all it's all rushed out of you then they plonk him in your arms and he's so heavy and I was like my eyes I remember my eyes just bugging out and going like oh my god you know it's finally done. Yeah, also super happy that it was then over and that I'd done it. And then, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? That you're sort of, well, in the bath, like, yeah, you're cuddling him on your on your chest. Um, he was bawling his eyes out, like screaming really loudly. So that was, I guess, reassuring. We, we knew he was okay. And they put sort of towels on him to keep him warm. And then, yeah, all the after bit starts. <laughs> you get a few moments rest until until all the other, other bits start going. How special was it to hold him, especially after having having that natural birth that you'd hoped for? It really was incredible. And such, you know, in these weeks afterwards, like a moment that my head keeps jumping back to. But I wouldn't say I didn't get that sudden rush or realization of like this is my son this is my baby I was still I think reeling from like the physical ordeal of like giving birth and of course I was so happy that he was okay and he was there and and, you know but I didn't get that sudden maybe bond I guess you'd call it bonding with him yeah not bonding but do you know what I mean I didn't suddenly realize like it wasn't like wow, I've got to protect this little thing. He's mine. He's my yeah. baby. It was just more just wonder at what just happened. Yeah. And is it fair to say a little shock? Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're suddenly there. And you yeah. sort of, you don't know, I suppose, how long it's going to take, um, yeah. how much longer it yeah. might have taken. And suddenly he's there on you. <laughs> how how was mum how was Matt how was sister doing in that moment a lot of tears uh, Matt and my sister were crying which was really sweet my mum had then come back and yeah also I think was was crying I can't remember if I cried or not I think I was I was really shocked I remember my eyes being really really wide and then those other bits happened so yeah so what are those other bits and what happened for you in in that aftermath well so then I guess you have to birth the placenta they then told me that I need to get out of the bath to birth the placenta they were a little bit unsure I think there was a couple of midwives there that hadn't worked on it they were really really great the midwives there but one of them said she usually worked on a different ward anyway they sort of were making a decision about whether they, I had to but give the placenta birth placenta in the water or not anyway I had to get out but I had to walk out of the bath holding Jesse in my arms but he was still attached to me via the placenta so on these sort of slippery steps it felt it felt a bit yeah like you know a couple of minutes after giving birth it felt it did feel a little bit um a little bit um scary but yeah they sort of helped me out then went on the beds then did the skin to skin stuff which was really amazing um they still hadn't checked him over or anything hadn't checked me over I'd said I wanted to give birth to placenta naturally if possible so they were just letting it happen it then took a while and I think they could see that I was still losing a bit of blood. So they were, they then wanted to give me the injection, which is an oxytocin injection, I think, to speed it up, which they did. It still, it still wasn't really coming. I was still bleeding. It was slightly think that Matt said he realised it. I didn't really, but I think their, their faces were getting a little bit more, you know, concerned. And they were saying, OK, we really have to get this placenta out. Um, I then sort of gave Jesse back to Matt I had to sort of move positions they ended up kind of tugging it out in the end from the cords because I was still losing this blood and they didn't know where from and I as far as I understand you could either be losing it from where the placenta has kind of come away or from a tear they then so then the placenta came out I was still bleeding they then sort of have to do have to try and um, calculate how much blood you've lost and in the water it's really hard so they were like looking at the water looking at all these gauze pads looking at the bed and they were like oh I think you've lost more than I don't know what it was x amount I think it was maybe half a liter that's too you can't or that's too much or you can't lose anymore anyway they pressed the button all the doctors rushed in then it just 
yeah, it just all completely like escalated. One person was like stuffing gauze up my vagina basically to try and stop the bleeding. One other person was putting a cannula in my left arm. One other person was taking blood from my right. There was literally like 15 doctors in there. Wow. Way the whole thing was way worse than the the, the birth process. Like you felt I didn't I didn't feel panicked because luckily throughout it all I I felt fine. I didn't I wasn't going dizzy. I knew even though I clearly had lost a lot of blood, I wasn't I didn't feel bad. Yeah. But it was just the just the number of people and it really hurt and then they gave me all these injections and we're like we think it's from a tear we're gonna have to stitch you up and take you downstairs and so they sort of prepared me for that Matt was really calm through it which was amazing he had Jesse and was just like you'll be fine you know it's gonna be fine my mum was really scared (laughs) and my sister and stuff yeah then they wheeled me downstairs to the late to the sort of wherever they stitched me up the labor ward and luckily because I'd lost blood so I think I'd lost a litre in the end right. they I got a doctor to be able to stitch me up because he had to do it really quickly which I think is a good thing because he was you know I don't know really good at it however it gave me a little bit of local anaesthetic but was like we need to stop this bleeding immediately so I'm afraid I'm gonna have to start and I was like god oh god I've already been through this yeah exactly and he was like we'll try you know try it on gas and air but if you can't handle the pain we're gonna have to give you a general anaesthetic and blah blah so then I was like, okay, now we go through more. And luckily down in this other room, the gas and air was working. And I finally like felt that, you know, great effect of it where it kind of, it does take a bit of the edge off. But at the beginning, it was like, it was so painful. I had to ask him to slow down. And he was like, I really can't, like I have to keep going. And yeah, not to be, I mean, I'll be, it was very graphic. It felt like someone was stitching up like through my clitoris. Oh, <laughs> it was so painful um but you know you you realize in in the moment they have to do it like they're stopping her bleeding it is for a good thing and I don't know I asked him how long he thought it would take and he said like 15 minutes I was like okay fine just last 15 minutes oh wow okay grit your teeth yeah like in hindsight I think I was I'm sure just like looking to his face and because he was always calm I'm sure I was calm Yeah, yeah and they did a really good job they were super efficient the gas and I was working so in the end it was just the first bits that were super painful <clears throat> so the bleeding was from a tear in the end rather than a hemorrhage or anything else exactly yeah it was from a second degree tear so I had that one uh, I think towards the perineum and then other ones on my labia and stuff so he had to like stitch all of this different stuff up so when did you get to enjoy Jesse and being the three of you just after that which was nice so maybe that took Probably from when he was born, I think it took another hour and a half, all of that, the drama and the stitching. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I'm not really sure. But um, And by still, by this point, nobody had checked Jesse over. He hadn't been weighed or wow. checked that he had all his 10 toes. I don't know. I don't know if that's normal or not, but we were a little bit like, wow, you know, we've got this baby. And, but, and then that is nice, like you say, to have like a quick moment of like just the three of us, definitely a bit shell-shocked. But uh, my family came back in. Uh, my dad had come down to to see him and my brother my brother you know it was a big big family affair which was really nice but I remember then late on in the afternoon it started to crash a bit and just needing to like I think I just slept for like definitely a couple of hours and what was your first night with Jesse like were you overnight in hospital was Matt there so that was a bit of a surprise to me that I well not that I have to stay overnight but that Matt couldn't stay so I had to then go on to a ward. Um, yeah, I went on to a ward and he, uh, he wasn't allowed to stay. He had to leave at 9pm and yeah, just left with this little little Jesse. What did that feel like and how did it go? Yeah, it did feel tough. And I don't know if it's just me being silly and not asking for help, but like they'd, we'd fed him a bit of colostrum. So I'd harvested some colostrum in those syringes and then the midwives had shown us how to give it that to him. I'd also actually tried breastfeeding a little bit sorry and that had that had seemed to work so I vaguely knew what I was doing to like breastfeed but not really like I tried it once for five minutes maybe yeah and then it yeah it was 9 p.m and they said you know every time he's sort of asking for it or or mouthing try and feed him so after that I did he he was sort of mouthing a little bit and then he was finished and I was like right I have to try and put him to sleep so I tried to put him to sleep in the little cot thing and he just did not want to be, he wasn't screaming, but he just wouldn't sleep on his own. And I didn't really know what else to do. I didn't want to call the midwife and say, I can't get this, I can't, how do I get a baby to sleep? 
so I decided to and I was also super sore from all the like stitching and, and all that so I didn't really want to move you know you have to then sit up try and put him in the car and it was it was a bit like painful yeah so I just put him on my chest and slept like that and also I was literally almost passing out with being so tired so I was like right I'm just going to put him on my chest and we're going to sleep like that got a good I think five hours he slept and I slept oh brilliant so you could recuperate a little bit so what was it like then bringing Jesse back home and settling in that was really exciting I yeah couldn't wait to get out of hospital and bring him home um it was beautiful weather and um yeah we got back and well so I'm me and Matt as another part of our birth story I guess is that we're staying with my parents at the moment um we sort of in between selling a house and moving into a new one and it just happened that yeah it all happened when the when the birth was happening so um yeah we're in this really lucky and unusual situation to be at sort of my family home um so that's where we were coming back to um which obviously is advantages and disadvantages but massive and you know so nice to to come back and there was lovely food and everyone's really excited and um I think it's it's only definitely it's only been positive it it sort of again like distracts you out of the sort of um you know minutiae of of sort of the, the difficult parts and um so yeah that it was really nice really nice coming back and um I guess I can't, I can't really remember but those first nights I think you just as you probably know you spend most of the time just awake and trying to feed and it's it's pretty tough isn't it the first few days when they're only having colostrum and and still you whatever you're doing you're working out feeding did you say that he's a month old now what did you decide to do from a feeding point of view and how has it been going? So I, I think I always wanted to breastfeed if I could. And that is basically what we're doing, which I feel really, really lucky that it's it has been relatively easy. Again, I, I think it's like 100% not down to me. It's down to him. He seems to just be very, he, he can latch on and he knows, seems to know what to do. I think he has quite a lot of like wind and stuff sometimes, but even in those situations, instead of, like crying and not feeding he he sort of moves himself into a better position so I'm trying to just like feel him where he wants to wriggle and he definitely gets into very unorthodox positions then but if he then carries on feeding I think that's a good thing so he's already communicating with you very well I think so I think so it's amazing breastfeeding it's such a beautiful it really is a beautiful feeling and like seeing seeing their faces and it's such a it's such a privileged also feeling to know that you can I'm literally the only one that can totally shut up that crying yeah, that's all we want really just give me the boob boob yeah exactly I think why I underestimated is of course how much time it takes like he's also been feeding a lot um definitely every two hours two hours or less yeah it's a long long time and also the fact obviously and I didn't, just didn't think about it enough that if you're breastfeeding and you can pump of course as well as you know but like it just you can't then split things as well 50 yeah. 50 it's just it has to be so much more on you on the on the woman um so that's been a bit of a realization because I guess I had in my head oh you know we're gonna do we're gonna split all this and it's gonna be a team effort and of course it is but yeah you you end up taking on taking on a lot there's of a the... huge physical reality when you're breastfeeding that you can't get away from yeah exactly and how does that play into your plans as to how to tackle things going forwards because I know that you both work for yourselves how are you going to try and manage things moving forward what are you thinking at the moment yeah I think we were still sort of working it all out um what's really made me feel happy is trying we tried giving formula well first of all we've been pumping and he's been accepting the bottle which is great so Matt does one bottle a night which helps even if I'm still awake but it helps and a couple of nights ago we tried formula and just the fact that he took that and that that is also an option like if I want to go for four hours somewhere you know or he really needs extra just to know that it's there is is really really just I don't know really changed my mindset about stuff just feeling less responsible for it all yeah um so that's been really good yeah going forward with work and stuff so Matt's already kind of doing half days here and there 
because yeah we're both self-employed or he can just pick that up funnily enough I've and this is totally not that I need to but it's it's more for my own mental state I've already been when if he sleeps for a good two hours I've been sort of doing a few of my own emails for my business stuff which and I was doing that even at like I guess a week a week when he was a week old and I don't say this to be like oh look at me I'm back at work it's more that like just to say I think it's okay if you want to and it's going to make you feel better and it does it makes me it reminds me that I have this other life and business and and I will get back to it one day it's just obviously I don't plan to go back full-time you know for at least I don't know six months I'll probably go back my plan is to go back half time uh, maybe in September October when he's about four months old yeah but yeah I don't feel good I don't feel guilty for like looking at a few emails when I can and it I enjoy just like keeping tabs on things but yeah and it's so different for everyone isn't it yeah for one person looking at emails is a positive thing and for someone else it's like the worst thing in the world that they could never imagine doing it sounds like for you it's a nice reminder that you are still multi-dimensional yeah exactly exactly amazing and and just on a very practical note so while you're taking some mat leave how how are things ticking along how have you got things set up so that you are able to take that time mat leave as a self-employed person you don't get the 90 percent or whatever you know you don't get too much of a good um, pay package but you do get in the uk um some uh, it's called maternity allowance so like government um help which is it's not huge but it definitely makes a difference so that's really good there's no paternity self-employed um time so that's good thing to know (laughs) operationally wise um I have got a colleague who's uh, helping keeping things running while I'm gone because it's such a niche field it is really difficult to leave everything and there are some things that I have to do I still have to do myself still through this through this time jumping just back to you for a minute how how is your recovery going both physically and mentally at the moment how are you feeling I feel physically feeling good I didn't it took a good two weeks um for like stitches wise to feel comfortable sitting down like I didn't expect again I just don't really think about it but didn't expect it to be that painful afterwards yeah and so yeah that was a bit painful and my tummy wise yeah it's kind of shrunken back down I find I'm finding it a little bit weird still having like this sort of pouch in my tummy Mm. I know that sounds very vain and whatever but it just no it's your body it's a big change yeah and it's now because it's not function it's not functional anymore having that tummy there but it's still there yeah and you're not allowed to do what you're not meant to do I don't think any tummy exercises yet so you're kind of in limbo just sort of but I'm trying to remind myself just still, you know, like you're recovering, like take it oh, easy. Oh, it's so early. Um, yeah, you're only you're yeah. only a month after birth. I'm mentally, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. I think we're, I'm still, yeah, just on one of those slow burners to to like bonding with Jesse. Not again, but it's not been, I don't feel like it's it's been as bad as any kind of like postnatal depression stuff, or, you know, where I've really not been able to bond. It's just that it's, yeah, I was I was always wondering before whether it would be that sudden bonding, like the moment he's born or very soon after, or whether it would be a bit of a gradual thing. And I just think, and for Matt as well, we talk about it a bit, I think it's both a bit of a gradual thing. Like, yeah. we still feel a little bit like he's someone else's baby that we might need to give back soon. Yeah. And it's an amazing realisation that we don't have to. Like, we look at him, we're like, oh, we're so lucky to have him. But I think it's, yeah, for me, it's a day-by-day thing where I just keep feeling each day a bit more attached to him. It isn't... A, an immediate thing I think that's really wonderful for you to share because I think there is a bit of a misleading assumption that there is going to be that magic moment maybe it is for some people but that there will be this kind of magic transformation into you being a mother and having this magical bond immediately whereas exactly surely as with any relationship it is a process that builds over time and you transform into those new roles and in a way it sounds weird but it feels like He's, he's like a new person to me. He's not he's yeah. not very familiar. So you're kind of also just getting used to, and obviously all the trials that come with it, but yeah, you're getting used to a new person in your life. Yeah, I really I really appreciate you saying that. What do the next few years look like for you, for yeah. your family, for your work? Oh, well, who knows? But I, hopefully we are planning to move to 
North Devon by the sea in September. Um, so yeah, that'll be a, a big change for us because it's pretty remote and rural. Um, so we'll be much more isolated than we are now, but obviously we'll be by the beautiful sea. And um, yeah, at that point also trying to start work again. So we'll, we'll juggle that and see how that goes. We found a, a nursery on a farm nearby our house down in Devon so that sounds pretty good but that sounds amazing. and I'd yeah I'd love more more children I and I, I love being pregnant and even now I'm a little bit like oh I miss being pregnant so I'm yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that I still think I know it's bad to say I still think I'm going to have those same worries and concerns about conception mm. and I'm I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with my periods when they come back like are they going to be the same um as they were before I may maybe I still have the polycystic thing or not I don't know um I hope I'm going to try really hard and be positive about it to finish I've got a few quick fire questions what surprised you most about labor uh it was doable or not overwhelming I expected to lose con- control at some point and uh, yeah I, I don't think I did which was amazing amazing so for someone who would like a natural birth is there something particular that you would recommend as to how you can make it a success I guess it's all about I think it's about you being you being relaxed it's keeping you relaxed but also um yeah before you get to those final stages just keep as active as possible I guess what has been the funniest moment you've had so far probably just the classic yeah punami one you know (laughs) poo up the back um, yeah, he's decided to be pooing once a day now, but in, you know, vast quantities. So, yeah, we needed, yesterday, we needed two of us to, to handle that. And have you had a sort of big surprise about parenthood generally? What it really is like looking after a child? What what do you think has been the biggest surprise to you that you weren't really aware was going to happen? I think I'd probably go back to that feeling of, figuring out your relationship with him that's this gradual process it's not this immediate thing like you said that's fine as well um and I guess the gradual process thing means that every day feels a bit different you know you're still which is amazing you're still like working out your relationship with him and it and obviously as they grow every day or they also changes so maybe that's a bit of a surprise that it's it's really dynamic and and exciting oh that's wonderful thank you so much Izzy and one final question that I promise I'll let you go. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that feels important or not even important that you just like to talk about or share about any of your experience? I definitely didn't think that pregnancy and, and labour could be could come out with an overall positive like shine on it. I know that people loved it and in hindsight you can say it was amazing, but even as it was happening it was it was really positive for me and maybe that is one thing I'd like to say is that I also recognize that I think it is pretty there's definitely an element of luck in it you know he was the right position the right way around to have that natural birth without any intervention so that is really lucky um so yeah I I feel lucky and I hope I hope other people can have positive experiences too and I'm sure this podcast will help it because I've loved listening to every episode before I was uh when I was pregnant well Izzy thank you for sharing all of this good luck as you continue on this journey all together that's the end of this episode take care and see you next time